I'm Paulina Lee, and this is Here at Haas, a student-run podcast connecting you to all Haasies and the faculty that change our lives. This week on Here at Haas, we are joined by a very special guest, Adam Ward, EW MBA class of 2023, and recently appointed EVP of Marketing for the EW MBAA. Welcome to the show, Adam. Thank you so much, Paulina. So happy to be on the other side of the interview chat. Yeah, it's so great to have you in the other seat. Now you're in the hot seat and you'll really be able to empathize with future guests. Exactly. And I'll know all my filler words, which I've already decided is the word like. So apologies to anyone (laughs) listening. If I say like a lot, I'm trying to get better, everyone. <laughs> That's true. That what I would say is one skill you learn in podcasting is how do you speak and what words do you say that are just weird and awkward? Or for myself, like, how do I sound different when I'm just thinking really hard, but also trying to push a conversation along? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how to sound cerebral 101. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. Please, no one save these to your desktop and listen to them in 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect, let's dive right in. You're very aware of our first question we like to ask all of our guests, but would love for you to just tell me a little bit about yourself, your background. We obviously know from your accent, I'm sure our guests have picked up that you were not born and bred in the US. So would love to hear you tell your story. Yes, guilty as charged, British here. I grew up in the UK in a rural town called Honiton, which is in the Southwest of the UK. I went on to study politics, philosophy and economics at Oxford. After that, I was a bit stuck, really. I'd done my master's in politics, been at Oxford for five years, wasn't really 100% sure what to do. You know, I was very extroverted. I loved working with people. And I wanted to work for a company that was fast growing, fast paced, lots of opportunities. And so I actually decided to work for a company called Mulesoft. And that was one of the best decisions I've made in my life. Started in the sales role, moved across the sales enablement. And we might dive into this, but I did my master's in American politics. So I've always wanted to live on the other side of the pond and got the opportunity to do that with that role. And then I moved from there and then recently moved into marketing. So worn lots of different hats, been at Mulesoft now for just over four and a half years. It's been fantastic. I love the company a lot. And then I just joined the MBA last July. So it's all been a bit of a blur, but it's all been very fun. That's great. So I would love to dive in a little bit more about your time at Oxford. So in undergrad, you studied politics, correct? And then you got a master's in politics as well. Tell me a little bit about your thought process there. Why did you choose politics? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things I always loved growing up was elections. And I think it's because I love understanding why people think in a certain way and what are the messages that persuade them to vote in a particular way. And I love the elections. I, I think growing up, I love the competitive side of it. And as I was growing up and became more understanding the policy implications, how that impacted people, and I've become a lot more involved with policy work since. And I can remember staying up to the 2000 US elections in the UK, you know, at 4am, watching those. And I, I loved that. So I was so fortunate to have the opportunity to study politics, philosophy and economics for my undergraduate. And after three years, you know, I still wanted more. So I decided to stay for another few years um, and continue particularly focusing on American politics and also state legislative politics. So I've actually made it my goal to try and visit all 50 state capitals. It's definitely a passion of mine. You can really see it come through. And what I found 
so fascinating is I think when I was thinking through what to, questions to ask you, I was like, surely he went into politics because he just wanted to be like the next star in parliament. Or I listened to a lot of podcasts. So the last year I've heard a lot of that guy who's just screaming order. And so I was like, <laughs> that that's the role that Adam could play. But the twist here is that we've got a Brit who's probably more educated in the American politics system than most Americans are. <laughs> so why American politics? What's interesting to me about America is this sense of wherever you are in the country, there is this sense of being an American and people hanging up the flag. And that can range from liberal events to more conservative because I actually in 2012 won a scholarship to follow the presidential election. And I did uh, shadow phone banking for uh, Obama in New York, Chicago, but I also shadowed the Republicans of Alabama and actually got the opportunity to shadow the RNC. So I saw a lot of American flags being lots of, used in a lot of different contexts and that shadowed USA, USA, whether that's at the RNC or actually when Biden won in the streets of the Castro, two very different places, mm-hmm. people with completely different mindsets, but this sense of America and the promise of America And I just find that variation across the states extremely interesting, which is why I think I'm very interested in federalism as well. How do states create identities around themselves and how do they express that, particularly in their capital buildings? And I think you talk a little about it, but you haven't explicitly mentioned it. Would love for you to tell me a little bit more about 50 for 15 and what that was and your experience there. Yeah, of course. So that was the 2015 UK general election. And it was a very contested election. No one really knew quite what was going to happen. So for those of you who don't know about the UK election system, we have a lot of what we call constituencies. You would call them districts in the American context. And like in America, there are some swing districts and there are some very safe seats as well. And what I did with two of my really good friends is a road trip across the UK, going to 50 of the most marginal constituencies or swing districts in the country. And when we were there, we talked to politicians, we talked to interest groups, but we fundamentally and most importantly talked to the voters. What were the key things were driving the conversations in different places across the country? And it was fascinating because these places were going to determine who won the election, where the national government was going to be. And a lot of things that were driving it were who was serving the potholes on the road or what were the local plans for housing development, all very important things for people. But it was really interesting to see that blend of local and national. And I love that opportunity. And I think that's actually what got me interested in podcasting and telling people stories because we did a lot of media. We you know, spoke on radios. We tried to create creative and visual things as well, as well as blog in general. And I think a huge passion of mine is, you know, you can tell by the way I'm animated. I love politics. I think it's so important to people. And I think I have the skills and the communication skills to be able to explain to people about politics, what it is, how it works, why you should be interested, and fundamentally why you should vote. And that's always been something that I love doing and I hope to continue doing in the future. Yeah, you can really see your passion. I know people listening probably can't see it, but I can see it and hopefully people can hear it in your voice. So you did 50 for 15. You really dug into politics. What drew you to MuleSoft? So a lot of people ask us, like, oh, you love politics. You love storytelling. Like, why that company? And I think the key reason is that I started in sales and sales has lots of similarities with 
politics in the sense of understanding, listening to people, what are people concerned about? What are the messages that really resonate? And ultimately trying to help people. And sales is a lot of it is like helping people understand is this product right for you? Is it not? And I was just really excited by the opportunity to be in a company that was growing very quickly. I consider myself a generalist and being in a company that has that growth and that scale, you have a real opportunity to put your foot in, help with the culture and get involved. And I've really seen that at MuleSoft. That's so great. So you started at MuleSoft in the UK and then came over to the States. How did that happen? There was actually a role at MuleSoft to run our sales onboarding bootcamp. Now, this was a three-week sales camp where everyone who started to the company in our inside sales org, imagine the people calling people on the phone, sending emails, kind of getting that first demand gen, they would from anywhere across the world, they would be flying to San Francisco and they would be met by mm. me and I would do a three-week <laughs> camp. And we would cover everything. They would learn the technology, they would learn the fundamentals of integration, but they'd also learn sales skills. We had people moving from different industries. Fundamentally also though, it was a great opportunity to dive into people's values and beliefs about why they were doing this role. And one of the sessions we would do halfway through is, what are you scared about? What are your biggest failures? Where does that come from? And we really dove into that. And it was an amazing opportunity to work with a number of awesome people. Overall, I worked with about 150 people coming into the company. And that role was based in San Francisco. And so you started in sales at MuleSoft, and now you're in marketing. It looks like you had a number of different roles at MuleSoft. I'd love to understand which of your roles did you learn the most from? So I'm a bit of a salmon. I'm swimming upstream in terms of the message, right? I was in the sales team, so I was delivering the message. I then did sales enablement, so I was teaching the sales people how to do the message. And now ultimately, I'm in marketing, so I'm helping to create the message. And I think that's given me really good perspective. And you've asked the question, where did I learn the most? I've learned across all of them. I think in sales, I've learned just to be fearless and to fail fast, pick up the phone, speak to people. The number of times, Paulina, that I did terrible calls and I picked up and they were like, what do you want? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but you're in sales, you get that. Yeah, exactly. And then from that sales enablement, I think really taught me how to engage people and how to communicate clearly with people. I think sales enablement and sales enablement folks are really undervalued in organizations. People say, oh, anyone can put on a training, but we've been just so many trainings, even myself, where we just sit there, you get distracted, especially now when everything's on Zoom. Mastery of creating a really compelling sales enablement track and really engaging people and communicating to huge groups of people in the exact way and takeaways that you want them to take away from your session is actually quite difficult and you learn a lot about just the real real of like how you get people <laughs> interested and engaged and then finally marketing i love and i think this is where i'll say this really feels like a home because it combines that messaging element and the creation but also it's there's the number side it's very creative and mm -hmm. i I feel like in marketing, I see myself progressing in a way that I perhaps didn't in sales or sales enablement. So I really use that word home to describe it. But I'm so thankful that I've had those opportunities because successful marketers should understand the sales process and be close to sales to fundamentally understand what content they're creating and how that be used when the rubber meets the road. And actually on this journey with MuleSoft, we were acquired by Salesforce, which we can dive into later was probably one of the reasons I actually decided to do the MBA. But it was a huge opportunity to see a company that was much bigger than us 
and really fit into that narrative as well. Yeah, for sure. And what I love about meeting people at Haas or anyone attending business school is that we all have this similar epiphany where we're like, I think I want something more. I'm not quite sure what it is, but I think an MBA can help me with that. So would love for you to share why an MBA and why Haas? So to link it to that Salesforce story, I remember we all got an email from the CEO saying, all hands meeting, come to the fourth floor in 20 minutes. And everyone was stressed. We'd seen some things on Google. We thought that was going to be an acquisition. And you sit there on the all hands floor. The CEOs are stood on a chair. We're all crammed in. And he announces that we've been acquired. And I was excited, obviously a little nervous. What did this mean? Immediately, what did it mean for my visa? Thankfully, nothing. Right. It was all good. But for some people who've been at the company for a really long time, it impacted them. What does it mean to work at Salesforce as opposed to MuleSoft? It tied so crucially to people's feeling and sense of belonging. And I think for me, reflecting on that experience, that's a real turning point to your question around wanting something more. Because an acquisition impacts so many things about what you do. It's the brand, it's the messaging, it's the people. How do you retain them? I've heard that you're doing the uh, much celebrated M&A course. So I yes. have to learn from you everything. But <laughs> I feel like it made me just think about business, whatever that word means, in a much broader sense than I had been, just head down, getting on with my work. And the MBA is the course to unlock what business is and how to understand it. And I really think that was a very transformative episode in my life, in my career. And did you look at other schools outside of Haas or just Haas in the Bay Area? I looked at Haas, one, for the location. I live in San Francisco and I wanted that opportunity to meet people and have that in person. You know, it's on Zoom now, but, you know, hopefully it will be in person soon. But also, you know, and I, I've, I've edited these podcasts. I know what people say, that it's so true. <laughs> Let's all say it together. It's, it's the people. The people. Yeah. I went to the diversity symposium when I was applying and the passion of the people around Berkeley was just awesome. And the leadership principles, particularly going beyond yourself and caring more about the community and the people and what we're actually standing for and what we're actually trying to do was really crucial to me. So that has been awesome. And I think it's a great institution to be part of and I'm really happy to be here. So you're one semester down start of the second semester next week. What are you looking forward to? What are you hopeful for for the spring semester? So spring semester, looking forward to two things. One is on Saturday, we have our leadership comms class, which is all around storytelling, presence, leadership. And I think communication is so critical to any successful leader. So I'm really excited about that. And also how to be vulnerable in an authentic way and communicate and speak about that. I've got a lot to learn there and I'm excited to learn about that. The second thing, financial accounting. I said earlier I'm a generalist, but I'm excited to learn about financial accounting because I think in this MBA, you just gotta throw yourself at something that you've never done before, but you're probably not gonna pick up immediately straight away and just go for it and see what happens. Two very opposite ends of the spectrum from a course right. perspective. <laughs> Yeah, this, this semester they were like, let's just find two courses that are so different and just put them together and see what happens. <laughs> You're going to love leadership communications. I think 
everyone that goes through the program and goes through lead comms always comes away with a life revelation, with a skill revelation. You learn so much about yourself as well as about your classmates. And of course, ours was in person, but mm-hmm. I think it's just as important. And I hope they've kind of whipped this into the syllabus as well, but just as important for us to know how to tell an authentic story and maintain executive presence in a digital world as well. Mm -hmm. So kind of two things I wanted to touch on next with your short tenure at Haas, but we've had the opportunity to get to know each other through working on the Here at Haas podcast. So would love for you to share why you joined the podcast and what surprised you, what's been great, what's been terrible. (laughs) (laughs) So why did I join? Well, the first reason is that I love the medium. So I love listening to lots of podcasts, The Daily being one of the, my favorites. And because from that experience of 50 to 15 earlier, love thinking about people's stories and scratching below the surface. What motivates them? What's their story? And, you know, at Berkeley and at Haas, we have such a diverse and awesome group of students. You even get into five minutes of these interviews and you're like, wow, I had no idea about that. And it's just a great creative outlet. Now, some of the hidden secrets. (laughs) (laughs) Behind the scenes. I don't know, but team's awesome. And great personalities, lots of different people that I would never have met. From all the different courses, right? The executive team, the EWMBA, and the full-time. So that's been awesome. I think what really surprised me the first time was, you know, and I'm not complaining. It's just, you know, you have an hour's worth of content and edit that on 20 minutes. That takes a lot of time. It actually does take a lot of time to think it through and which parts of the story will the audience listen to? How does that work? What will resonate? What's the clear messages that you're trying to get across? And comes back to those original themes of communicating and sharing people's ideas and stories. It's been really fun having you on the team. You were a part of our first crew that we added on. And it's been such a great time having A, more help, but B, just more people to bounce great ideas off of. I'm sure our listeners can tell Adam has a lot of passion and energy and creativity. And so you've definitely brought a lot to the table and we're so grateful to have you and and the whole group. Outside of the podcast, you Mm -hmm. are also a part of student leadership. So Mm -hmm. would love for you to share how you got involved and why you got involved. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm the EVP of marketing. I still have to remember the exact term. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The MBA Student Association. And the main reason Paulina I did this because I wanted to follow the Paulina Lee does an MBA program. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking, but for those of you who don't know, Paulina is the outgoing, you know, secretary for mm-hmm. marketing for the EVP position. And I just thought she seems to be doing it really well. What? No, I'm joking. But <laughs> Lots of opportunity, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, why did I want to do it? What I wanted to do was to use my skills to help in the need. You know, some of the work I've done in sales enablement has bordered on internal communications. So I have good skills around how you put that information together, how you present it in a clear and compelling way, how you engage people in novel formats. So. I think with the need, I have the skill set to be able to help with that. And that's why I really wanted to step up and be counted. And then the other reason was the people. I know other people are being interviewed for this podcast. So that 
exceptional. <laughs> and I just thought, this is a great opportunity to spend more time with this wonderful group of people. Actually, Chloe, who's the EVP of finance, I met during WeLaunch and we just had, we're in a breakout room together and I was like, this woman is incredible. And I wanted to set up a coffee chat afterwards and we had that and then we kept on meeting. And she was the person originally who said, actually, Adam, we're, we're really looking for someone as part of our team to, to do this marketing role. Would you be interested? And I just thought, well, I have the skills, the need is there, I think I can help. And this group of people are awesome. And so I just thought it'd be foolish not to get involved. So that's the reason why I'm part of the Half Connect team. Well, I know as the outgoing exec team, we are so excited for you guys to leave your mark on Haas, leave your mark on the EW program. I think for us, obviously the crisis management, we call it, in moving from 100% in-person to 100% remote was a very interesting experience. And you guys will have the reverse of that, right? So going right. from 100% remote and figuring out what is the right communication, what is the right way to open back onto campus, given all the restrictions we have from just a general policy and CDC, and then just the way mm -hmm. people are feeling about it. So I'm so excited for you to take on this role because to your point, I think you are very well versed in how to do this type of work. So. I am curious. I know we're just in January and I'm sure you guys haven't really had a chance to meet yet, but in your head, do you have any legacy action items or if there was one thing that you would have hoped to accomplish as you onboard the next year's EVP <laughs> of marketing next year that you would want for 2021? We had a platform with three C's. So we wanted to connect our community, which was creating a one half experience across evening, weekend, full-time, connect our comms, which is making it easy for students to find the information they need, and then connect through COVID. As you were saying in that question, making sure people felt included, they understood the get back to in-person process and felt that they were offering their point of view and that we could take that clearly. So those are the three pillars. I clearly fit primarily in connect our comms. And what I really want to do it doesn't sound particularly glamorous to begin with. It's just audit all the different places that people get information. There's Slack, mm -hmm. there's email, there's newsletter, there's um, different places. And I wanted to see what people are using, what's resonating, what's not. Because let's be honest, Paulina, there's always going to be people, and I count myself in that sometimes, who don't open the darn email that they need to open. <laughs> <laughs> they need to or read don't it. read anything. Right, don't read that. And I think what I need to do is think realistically about what we can achieve to make sure that people get the information that they need. Because there are so many awesome things happening and I don't know half of them. So personally, this role is gonna be great to just learn all the different things before I share mm -hmm. them out. But that's what's been really important to me. But I'm interested, you know, what were some of the key things that you learned during your time in the role as well? Because I've got a lot to learn from you as well. <laughs> <laughs> You'll just have to wait for my interview to come out. Um, no, I think for, for me and for our group, to your point, it was just figuring out what was the best way to communicate, what was the best way to work as a team, what was the best way to work as a program office. And I think the hardest part is always as the voice of the student body, as representatives of the student body, how do you accurately represent an entire student body, mm -hmm. right? Not necessarily the vocal student body, mm -hmm. because sometimes the most vocal are not necessarily representative of the whole population. And then 
underneath that, trying to help work with those who have special circumstances Mm -hmm. or who have passion areas or who are vocal about certain issues, work with them to understand where is the passion coming from and then how can we help. I think we learned a lot about crisis management for sure. A lot of it is communications and a lot of it is understanding at the heart of everything is human emotion, right? So for work as a tangent, I'm reading a book called Split the Difference, which is a negotiation book, right? By the FBI investigator, Chris Voss. It regrounds you in the fact that we are all humans and we have to take in that emotional sense. And that is a very real thing that I think we saw a lot in 2020 and continue to see in 2021 is just we are we may claim to be logical humans but we are often like emotional first when we make our decisions and how we communicate and work with that is is a big learning for sure absolutely and it's kind of a full circle moment because that training used to do where i had people come to san francisco i added it to the syllabus that people had to read Mm. that book before they came because it's so fundamental and such an incredible book i 100 percent agree with you people should go and order that book now from a local bookstore and read it it's awesome um any closing thoughts as we wrap up our chat today not really (laughs) i think i hope you've enjoyed it i'm now going to edit this so hopefully i'll find out what my filler word is i'm sure it's the word like paulina you know i joked about following the paulina lee mba but i'm really grateful for people like you and people who are our class social reps in the year above to really help us navigate through this time i have been on campus maybe twice I don't even know really what's there. So you guys have really helped us understand how to make the most of the MBA and we forged these new paths together. And I'm just really grateful. So thank you so much. Well, thank you. Well, I would say too, our classes have learned from your class and just seeing the engagement that you guys have. You guys have much more energy in the digital world than we do because you know we're just crouched and we're like, ah, oh, I was better in person. But there are a <laughs> lot of... <laughs> silver linings to being virtual. And there are a lot of silver linings to jumping on Zooms with classmates and people that you might not have a chance to chat with. Um, So thank you to you and thank you to your class as well. And thanks for coming on the show, though you really didn't have any choice. (laughs) (laughs) I feel very honored, you know. Now now send me the file and I'll get on editing. (laughs) Perfect. Well, Thanks for tuning into Here at Haas. Know a Haasie that has a story to tell? Nominate them on our website, haaspodcast.org. And if you enjoyed this week's episode, please subscribe and leave us a rating review. It really does help. And of course, share this podcast out with your favorite bears. This episode was published with the help of one of our associate producers, Ranjani Murphy, and edited by our very own special guest, Mr. Adam Ward. Until next time, I'm Paulina Lee, and this is Here at Haas.